I, uh, I thought this church had been around for more than one year. I've heard all the noise going on in our office. You know, half of our staff seems to attend here. Jose, I've known since he was a boy. His wife wasn't even born, I think, when I first met him. And uh, he was a, uh, he's a genius, you know. He finished uh, university at age 20. He was a straight-A student at high school in New York. He told me all that, so it must be true. And, uh, uh, but it's been one of the great joys of my wife and my life to know the, uh, the Zayas, you know. He's a pastor, he's an evangelist. Uh, when we first met, we, they were having a campaign in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he volunteered to drive us around, and we've been friends ever since. And he's a great blessing. You are blessed to have an evangelist as a pastor, you know. I mean, they're a little erratic evangelists, uh, but uh, they're good. And uh, the Zayas are especially good, thanks to the dad and mom. And, uh, but they're a great couple. We love them. We've worked together in many, many places. And it's wonderful to see the church grow so fast over here. I'm hoping that you'll take over the west side of Portland, you know. In the name of the bless the other churches too, but hey... Hit it hard, okay? And uh, I hope you see a great blessing. Uh, many, many cities and many countries, he and I have gone together with our team. We sing great blessing. And I know that you're seeing many people come to know Jesus Christ. So uh, he, he ordered me to go to that table. He asked me how many books. I have no idea what books are there, but I'd be glad to autograph them. Mostly I like to talk to people. It's so you always learn something, you know? So come on up and we'll have a good time. Now, when he invited me, I jumped on it right away. And then later I thought, why did I accept, you know? I mean, he's my friend. He's a Bible teacher. He's an evangelist. Why doesn't he preach? Uh, he wanted to take a Sunday off, so he asked me to do it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I've been praying and praying, you know, what can I talk about? What can I talk about? And several ideas came to my mind. But we just got back from Europe. We were having a, a thing in Spain uh, for evangelists. And uh, Spain is a country... Well, uh, the Apostle Paul apparently visited Spain on a little cruise or something. And uh, he, uh, they, they can show you when you go to near Barcelona, the, they, they took me to see a rock where they say the Apostle Paul put his foot on that rock. It's a Catholic thing, you know. And uh, so they said to me, you know, this is where Paul put his foot. So I kissed it and had a picture taken, you know. And, uh, but as we went around, then we went over to Czechoslovakia and Germany and France. And we were partially doing ministry and partially having a little fun, my wife and I, with one of those cruises. And uh, uh, as we went, they took you, every city they take you to see a cathedral, a castle, and a museum. And after a while, you say, enough of this, you know. Uh, another cathedral, another castle, another museum. And then you begin to think. And I thought, you know, many of these places had the gospel 2,000 years ago. And now the cathedrals are empty. When you walk in, there's uh, signs that say, don't take pictures during communion, you know. And it's full of Koreans and Japanese and Chinese now, and some Hispanics like me. And uh, no, there's nobody there but the tourists, you know. And you begin to think and you say, how could this happen that after, you know, so many centuries, it seems to be dead over there. People haven't come alive to God, you know. And in all those 10 days or a week, I guess, that we were roaming around, the name of God was mentioned once, once. And Jesus Christ also once. 
And I thought, wow, how uh, a continent like Europe that is considered a Christian continent, suddenly they don't even mention God. Here you go to a cathedral and you think that somebody, some tourist guide would say that that cross over there is because Jesus Christ started. No, they never even mention it. You know, it's like just another tourist trap, you know, where they take you. And then I got to thinking, I began to get a few letters in the last few days about some of my friends who have got, we were on our way to Spain, and the guy in charge, his name is Ricardo Loguzzo, very Italian name. He lives in Miami, however, uh, <laughs> and they're running Miami. But uh, we get a, an immediate e email. He's had a stroke, a massive stroke, while he was packing his bags to come to Spain. Wow, what a shock. He is 67, but hey, 67 isn't that old anymore, especially when you're 78 like me. And it looks young almost, you know. And then uh, uh, I got an email from another fellow called Dan Owens, who's a friend of uh, uh, Jose's and Jim Williams and a whole bunch of people. He's also an evangelist. And he found he had cancer, and he's at Stanford University, and it looks like there's nothing much they can do. They're doing some chemotherapy unless the Lord chooses to heal him. So I had written him an email from Spain. I was praying for him, and I said to him, Dan, <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you about heaven. So I let him have it about heaven. Because, you know, when you're going to die, you might as well think about it, you know. And even if you have eternal life, sometimes people don't want to talk about it. He wrote back an email that if I had time, I would read you, very touching. And he said, Luis, I think about heaven all the time, but my wife doesn't want me to talk about it. She doesn't want me to go. But he says, I know I'm on my way, and I'm on, I'm on my way there, and therefore I want to talk about heaven. Thank you. And I wrote him a bunch of verses, you know. He knows it all, but you've got to be reminded, you know, when this happens. And then I have another friend. Now, I want, I'm telling you this to wake you up, okay? Not that Lubin didn't wake you up, but I mean, you know, to keep you, uh, that I got something to say to you. I got a friend who, we went to primary school in Argentina when we were little boys, eight years old. I met him. His name is George James. He lives in Australia. He was not a Christian. All these years he worked for an international bank. He used to drink too much. And one day somebody talked to him about Jesus Christ when he had retired in, in, in Australia and he was converted to Jesus Christ. And so I saw him last year. And the year before, we were planning a little campaign in his church. He said, would you come and preach in our church? So I said, for my old buddy, I'll do it. It's a church, I didn't realize how small it was, 25 people. Yeah, and we organized a campaign like there were only 25,000. There was only 250 when all was said and done. But then on, in last April, he sent me an email. And he said, Luis, I can't help with the planning anymore. They found a tumor. I had skin cancer. It spread to my brain. And he's about to go to heaven. So I thought, wow, Ricardo, you know, we don't know if he's going to recuperate. Dan is on his way. George is on it. I thought, I got to talk about eternal life. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about the assurance of eternal life and about heaven. Because I think it's really, really important. Not only old people die, young people do too. We were in England several years ago. And a girl by the name of Mandy, she was only 16. Uh, she was going to have a birthday. Her boyfriend was driving the dad's car to buy her a gift. There was beginning to rain. He lost control of the car. The car spun around. She was thrown out of the convertible. He was stuck in the car, and uh, she died on the spot. 
and uh, her, her father was a famous musician in England. Her mother, his mother, her mother was a, a movie star in, in the United Kingdom. And they were not believers. They were divorced. And the girl became a glorious Christian for three years. She was 13 when she gave her life to Christ. And she was killed on the spot. And then we were in Santa Cruz about eight, ten years ago. And uh, one night, uh, one family was in charge of cleaning up the beaches after the festival, like we had the one downtown uh, here in Portland. And this family, the Wagners, they were in charge. They cleaned up the beach, made sure there was no paperwork, no nothing left on the beach so that nobody would complain. They got in the car about 11 o'clock at night, and as they were going home about six miles away from the Santa Cruz beach, a drunken woman driving an SUV with three little children in the back ran a stop sign, ran into their little car, and the two teenage girls died. And the dad was beaten up badly, the mother a little less. But those girls went to be with the Lord. They were believers in Jesus Christ. And you know, to me, this is an important subject. I'm never embarrassed to talk about heaven or about eternal life. Because when I was 10 years old, my father died. And I realized, he's gone. He ain't coming back, you know. When you're dead, you're dead. And where did my father go? So for me, it's the ultimate reality. And I'm not embarrassed to say to young people, boys and girls, and especially grandpas and grandmas, they're getting closer than the rest of us, you know. I mean, when you get old, let's face it, you're a little closer. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, it, it, that you can know that you have eternal life and that heaven is your home. And it's a glorious reality because you settle the big one. C.S. Lewis said something like this. He said, once you settle your eternal destiny, you settled the really big decision of your life. After that, everything is a minor decision compared to eternity. And you know, all of us have to face that trip. I'm going to read a passage from the Bible, but did you hear the story? I heard it ages ago. It probably disappeared. But there was a rich Britisher and uh, traveled a lot way back in the old days when they went by ship, not by plane. And he had a butler, all the rich people apparently had butlers in those days, who took care of his planning and his clothing and his bags and everything. And one day the rich man died, a little earlier than expected. And when they were burying him at the cemetery, somebody said to the butler, you've known your master for 30 years. Do you think he was ready for this trip into eternity? And the butler thought for a while and then he said, you know, I don't think so. And the person said to him, why don't you think so? He said, I watched my master get ready for scores of trips all throughout his life. And he, made, he always had extensive planning. He made reservations. He planned his clothing. He planned where he was staying. He said, but I never saw him plan for this trip off into eternity. And so tonight, as we read a passage from the Bible, I want to ask you that question. Have you made plans for your trip into eternity. And if you haven't, tonight is the best night. And I'm here to invite you to plan your trip into eternity because the time will come and no one knows when it'll come. Uh -huh. And so you've got to be ready and have your ticket and know that all the reservations are made and that you know that you're ready to take off into eternity. So, I would like to read from the Bible, first of all, a fantastic promise in 1 John chapter 5. I didn't tell the guys so they won't be able to put it on the screen, although some of them are pretty fast and they'll probably do it. But 1 John chapter 5 and verses 10 
2.13. And listen to the Word of God about the assurance of eternal life and how you can know that you know that you have eternal life. So 1 John chapter 5, that's almost at the end of the Bible. Listen to the Word of God. It says, verse 10, Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. Here it comes. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then he finishes it off by saying, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you do have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Now, before we turn to another little passage, let me uh, repeat this idea that you have here. Whoever has the Son of God has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not yet have life. And then let's go to John chapter 14. For those of you who have a Bible, the Gospel of John chapter 14. And it's a famous one, so most of you probably know it off by heart. But it's always good to read it again. John 14, verses 1 to 6. And listen carefully, because every word counts. It is about heaven, eternal life, and this passage is about heaven. Look at verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas, one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now, let's bow for a moment of prayer. Father in heaven, what a beautiful sight it is to be here in Hillsborough this evening and to see this group of young people, dads and moms and grandpas and grandmas. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, beautiful Lord. Tonight I pray, O oh God, that as we meditate on your word, that you will speak to every man that's here today, every teenager, every college student, every young man or woman, and every grandpa and grandma, O oh Lord, that all of us may be able to leave this place jumping with joy at the assurance of eternal life. And those who tonight are going to meet you, I pray, Lord, that you'd open their hearts and their minds and their faith so that they will surrender to you in the next 30 minutes. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, you know, some years ago we were in Houston 
And we invited a, a woman to sing. I forget her name. Jim, do you remember that uh, country western singer? Uh, well, one of the famous ones. And uh, she sang a song called I Can Only Imagine. And I got the words here today and it says, I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, I can only imagine. And the chorus says, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Now, that's an interesting song, and I like it, and it's catchy. But you know, the interesting thing is this. We don't have to imagine what it's going to be like because God has revealed what it's all about. It's nice to have a little imagination. And I've often quoted a bunch of kids from California, naturally, uh, who had some comments to made about heaven that were completely very interesting but totally non-biblical. Let me give you two or three. One of them said these words. Uh, 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 this is a, bo a boy called Steve, eight years old. When you die, God takes care of you like your mother did when you were alive. Only God doesn't yell at you all the time. <laughs> That's his idea of uh, whatever it's like. Then a Maggie, Maggie is nine years old, and she said, you have to be old before you can die because God seems to love old people best. All right, that's a pretty good one. Uh, here's another one. Jimmy, he's eight. When you die, they bury you in the ground and your soul goes to heaven. But your body can't go to heaven because it's too crowded up there already. I mean, I mean that's, I can only imagine. You know, these kids are imagining like, what is that singer? Anyway, it'll come to me. Uh, here's another one that really has bad theology. Only the good people go to heaven. The others go where it's hot all the time, like in Florida. <laughs> so I thought, but this to me, well, here's another one. Marsha, she's nine. When you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven unless your teacher is there also. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this to me is the epitome of imagination. I'm not afraid to die, says Kevin, because I'm a Boy Scout. <laughs> He's a real macho man, huh? Uh -huh. But uh, so, you know, the scripture teaches us that God has given us eternal life. And you know, eternal life begins on earth. It doesn't begin when we die. Eternal life isn't something we get when we die. Eternal life begins here, if you notice what we were reading earlier. God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son of God has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God doesn't yet have life. So eternal life begins on earth. In another place, you remember Jesus said, the thief, that is the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. So eternal life is not something we get when we die. We'll get to that in a while. But it's something that comes to live within us. And that something is not something, it is someone. Because Jesus Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Eternal life is Jesus Christ. He is the author of life. He is the one who gives us eternal life. So if you don't have eternal life tonight, I beg you in the name of the Lord. And the leaders of this church, we were praying right behind that curtain over there a while ago. That if you haven't got eternal life tonight, you will surrender your life to Christ and be ready to live your life on earth with 
knowing that you have the life of Christ living in you. And then to face eternity and know where you're going when you die. The beautiful thing is, when you know where you're going, you're not afraid to die. Now, death is an enemy, no question about it. It's the last enemy that we have to face, the Bible says. But nevertheless, when you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you have eternal life and you know that you have it. And that's the gift of God that he gives us uh, when, 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 we, when we surrender to Christ. Now, on the other hand, when Jesus comes, comes into our lives, we have eternal life and we live forever. We will never die because I'll explain it in a few minutes as we go along. We're going to live forever. Life begins the moment you give your heart to Christ and you're going to live forever and ever and ever in a wonderful place that the Bible calls heaven. Secondly, we begin to enjoy all of eternal life, yes, when Jesus Christ comes back. The Bible says that Jesus Christ will come back in the cloud of heaven just like he took off uh, 2,000 years ago. And he's going to come in the clouds, and he's going to come with the trumpet of God, with the shout of the archangel. He's going to come in the clouds of the air. All those who have died, who know Jesus Christ, are going to come back with him. We who are alive will be transformed, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, and will go to meet up the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Now that's entering into all the fullness of what eternal life is all about, and that's in the future. So we enjoy all the dimensions of eternal life, and then what happens is, when we who are alive, our bodies are transformed into the body, uh, the same body as Jesus Christ had. Those who died their soul and their spirit come back with Jesus, their bodies are resurrected, they receive a new body, and then all of us together, and this happens in like that, the twinkling of an eye, all of us go together to beat the Lord in the air, and the Bible says, so we shall always be with the Lord. And then he says, encourage one another with these words. I mean, that's exciting stuff. And today when you see blow-ups of people in Boston and uh, storms all over the place and tornadoes killing people and every day, do you know that the statistics show, Jay Fordyce, one of the members of this church, looked it up for me uh, the, uh, in the internet. Uh, every day average, 155,000 people die and go off into eternity. Technically, average half of them have never given their lives to Jesus Christ, at least half of them, perhaps more. And every day people are just going off into eternity. Where are they going? That's the big question. Now, the other thing is this. If you die before Jesus comes back, what happens? Uh, what happens is this. Your body will be buried waiting for the day of resurrection. When Jesus comes back and those who died in Christ are risen from the dead. But you yourself, your soul and your spirit, the real you that lives in this body, you go straight to be with the Lord. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so the moment the doctor says, I'm sorry, your son has died or your mom has died or your granny has died, at that moment, if they're believers in Jesus, they go straight into the presence of the Lord because they had eternal life. And so when they die, the body goes to the grave until the day of resurrection. And at the day of resurrection, Jesus Christ, by his almighty authority, will raise those bodies, transform them into the image of his body. And the Bible says, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Man, that's exciting stuff, don't you think? I had to think about it when I was a kid. As I told you or hinted it, anyway, I, uh, my father died when I was 10 years old. 
And uh, I never thought about death till then. Uh, my grandpa and grandma had been around, and they were all around. Uh, one grandpa had died before I was born, so that didn't mean much to me. But then when I came home from school one day, and he had died, and I saw his body just lying there on the bed, and then they put him in the casket in Argentina. We do it a little different from here. And there was my dad, yellow, because he was dead, and he'd been dead for about several hours, <clears throat> and uh, he was dying. He died in 10 days. To me, as a 10-year-old boy, suddenly death became a reality. This is the ultimate reality. And my dad was a young businessman. He was only 34 years old when the Lord took him home. And 10 years earlier, when he was 24, he had received Jesus Christ on a night like this one in Argentina. And a missionary was explaining the Word of God. And as he was explaining it, my dad suddenly stood up, interrupted the preacher, and he said in a loud voice, I wasn't there, I wasn't born yet. I was just about to be born. I was in my mama's womb, as they say. And uh, so I don't remember this. It's the family told me. And I, I, I'm intelligent, but not that intelligent. And uh, the preacher was explaining eternal life. And suddenly my dad, who was a very quiet guy, interrupted. He stood up and he said, right now, he said out loud. If you want to do it, go ahead and do it yourself in a minute. Uh, he said, right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my only and sufficient Lord and Savior. And he sat down. My mom was so excited. She'd done that a year before, not stood up. She just received Christ a year before. And she was begging my dad to come and he never showed up. And this day he shocked her by sitting next to her and he gave his life to Christ. Ten years later, the Lord took him home. So to me as a 10-year-old boy, I thought, man, I got to get ready. People die and when they die, it's over. You either have eternal life or you don't, you know. Two years later when I was 12 at a summer camp, I love summer camps. More people seem to come to Christ at summer camps almost than anything else. They're great. Anyway, a counselor sat me down and led me to Jesus Christ. And the way he did it was very, you know, just boom, 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 you know. I was a nice 10-year-old, 12, 12 years old. That I remember. Uh, and uh, he says uh, to me, Luis, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven or hell? Imagine a lovely little 12-year-old to ask him that, you know. I said, I'm going to hell. He said, why? I said, because I got a foul temper. When I play soccer, I say nasty words, and I sometimes beat on my sisters. I had five sisters. If you had five, you'd beat on them too. And uh, I one, but five is too many. And uh, he said, all right, you're going to hell. Is that where you want to go? I said, no, I don't. And he said, then why are you going there? You know, nobody ever asked me that. And so within five minutes, it was beginning to rain. He explained to me how to receive Christ. He was in a hurry to get back to the tent. And uh, he said, all right, are you going to receive Christ right now or not? I said, yes. And we prayed together, and he quoted to me a passage from the Bible that says, if you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And he said, are you going to receive him or not? I said, yes. He said, do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? I said, yes. And then he read the verse to me again, and he put my name into it. And he said, if you, Luis, confess with your lips, Luis, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, Luis, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I got it. And so he said, okay, you're going to receive him? I said, yes. He said, okay, let's pray together. So he put his arm around me. 
It was just beginning to rain, and I prayed and received Christ in my heart. I was only 12, but I've had eternal life ever since then. I've had to learn a lot of things. I've had to grow. But from that night on in the hills of southern Argentina, I have had eternal life. And I never doubted that. Because when you have eternal life, you know that you know that you have eternal life. That's why the verse says that we just read, and I want to repeat to you now. He says, God has given us eternal life. The Apostle Paul somewhere else says, he says, uh, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's such a wonderful thing and such a basic thing. So the first thing then is this, God gives us eternal life. It's the greatest gift that God could ever give us. And God created us for this. This is the thing. It says, God has given us eternal life. Uh, this life is in His Son. So eternal life is something you get when you receive Jesus Christ. That's why my father stood up. He got it. He stood up and said, I receive Jesus Christ right now. And then he sat down. And I got it when I was 12. And I said, yes, I believe he's the son of God. I believe he rose from the dead. I receive him. And I've had eternal life. And I'm an old grandpa. And I've never doubted that I've had eternal life. Because Christ lives in me. And he gives me the assurance that I have eternal life. You know, in Romans chapter 8. Because you may say, well, how do you know that you know? In Romans chapter 8 it says that the Holy Spirit gives witness to our spirit that we are indeed children of God. When you receive Christ, one of the first things you're going to notice is that the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God. And He comes in and that's what changes you. Suddenly you're not alone anymore. Suddenly you're not empty anymore. Suddenly something has changed. And it's that God the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And you know that you have eternal life. Because the Holy Spirit says to you, don't worry about a thing. A buddy of mine, Don Ward was his name. Jim knows him. He died about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And he had, I don't know what he was dying of. But I was in Europe somewhere preaching. And they said to me, somebody sent me a cable or called me up and said, Don is on his way. So I do what I always do. I think people who are dying want to talk about it. I called him up and I said, Don, I hear that you're on your way. He said, yes, I am. And I said to him, has the Lord told you anything in these last few days before you go? And he said, yes, he did. And I'm curious. I said, what did he tell you? I was hoping it was a good thing. And uh, he said, the Lord said to me, Don, don't worry about a thing. You've got eternal life you will see me in a few days, don't worry. Evidently, he worried a lot about it, you know. But he had eternal life. He shouldn't be worrying. But I find that some people feel that way. I was so amazed by that, that the Lord said to him, Don, don't worry about a thing. You belong to me, and in a few days, you're going to see me face to face. You know, that's what happens when you have eternal life. Now, why is eternal life to be found only in Jesus Christ? Because the Bible says there is no other name given under heaven, whereby we might be saved. Why only Jesus Christ? Uh-huh. The, the answer is, first, because God said so. That's why God determined that eternal life is, can be found only in Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's because Jesus Christ is the only one who died on the cross for the sins of the world. He's the only one who took care of the problem of guilt. So you can't find eternal life in religion, not even in the Christian religion. 
You can only find eternal life in Jesus Christ. And the problem, that why he had to die on the cross, so that you, as a young man, or me, as an old guy, can have eternal life, is because he had to deal with the problem of sin and guilt and the problem of an evil heart. You know, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? There's this problem of sin. And so Jesus Christ can give us eternal life because he took care of the problem. And the problem was our rebellion, our sinfulness, our guilt, our uh, uh, thoughts that are evil, words that are wrong, attitudes that are improper, things we've done wrong. We've all got a story. And on the cross, Jesus Christ took care of it. As sin is a serious problem. You can't just pass it off. Not even God could say, hey, I forgive you guys, it's okay. No, it, it had to be dealt with. And the problem of sin is, first of all, it insults God. Sin is an insult to the holiness of God. God is our creator. And when I swear, or lie, or cheat, or covet somebody else's wife, or whatever the thing may be with you and with me, it's sin, and it's an insult to God. And if we don't repent, it's like spitting in the face of God. And like saying, God, I know this is wrong, but I don't give a rip on you. That's what we're really doing when we don't, when we refuse to repent. And to say, God, I really have broken the rules. I really have insulted you. I've spat in your face. I've despised you. And you made me. And God made us for eternal life. And so when we receive Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, I don't deserve eternal life. I deserve God to judge me and condemn me. And when you are honest enough to admit that, God instantly is willing to forgive you. But you have to believe that on the cross, He took care of that problem. And it doesn't just happen overnight. Now, only Christ paid for the sins of the world. And when He died on the cross, you remember He had two thieves, one on each side, crucified for their misbehavior. They were criminals and thieves and so on. But when he was on the cross, the first thing Jesus said, you remember? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he said several other phrases. And then about three hours into his crucifixion, when he had already suffered for the sins of the world, and the job was almost finished, it became dark like midnight at noon in Jerusalem. And he cried out in the darkness, which was a symbol of what was going on on that cross. Because noon in Jerusalem, the sun like blazing, you know. But he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ knew why. It was a rhetorical question for your benefit and my benefit. He was dying for us. And so when he finished that, after three hours, suddenly he shouted out, it is finished. The work that he was doing on the cross was perfect and complete. And when he shouted, it is finished, it meant I've done it. The sins of the world I have paid for. And then his final shout was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up his spirit. And you see, that's why he's the one who can give us eternal life. It's not in Christianity, but in Christ. It's not in church, but in Christ. It's Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. That's why tonight, before I finish in a few minutes, I want to give you an opportunity, like my counselor did with me, 
And like Mr. Rogers did for my dad, an opportunity for you to say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I surrender to him right now. And you can give him your life tonight. Now, you know, it says over here, whoever has the Son of God has life. Now, here on earth, whoever has the Son of God has life. I have eternal life. Most of you in this room I know have eternal life. I know a whole bunch of you besides Pastor Jose and his wife and many of you. You have eternal life. How do we know it? Because the Holy Spirit indwells us. But, but you know, we don't doubt it because we have a relationship with God. If you said to me, Luis, I hear that you married Patricia Schofield from Portland, Oregon. Are you sure you're married to her? I mean, I've been married 51 years. I'm pretty sure I'm married to her. And, uh, <laughs> but if I said to you, well, I don't know, really. You'd say, well, are you nuts or what? Are you married? You've got four kids and you don't know if you're married to her? How do you know you're married? Well, one day I was forced to say yes, that's why. Uh -huh. <laughs> we went to a church here in Cedar Mill somewhere. And the pastor is a tall guy, and I'm just a short Argentine. And uh, so he, we come in, and it's a torture, really. But you're there standing with your three or four friends that you've got, waiting for this woman to show up. And she comes slowly, as slowly as possible, down the aisle, you know, <laughs> uh, on her father's arm, who's looking at you like, I'm going to kill you. Uh, you treat my daughter well, or you're dead, you know. And uh, so you stand there and you wonder, where's the door, you know? Uh, can I run out that door, you know? And uh, they come, finally you kneel down in our church. It was pretty simple. He'd lay hands on you and finally comes the question, you know, do you, Luis, take this woman, Pat, to be your lawfully married wife? He said husband, actually, but it was a mistake. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's on the tape. Uh, uh, to be, you know, to love her in sickness and health, for richer, for poor, and blah, blah. Uh, I said, he, I didn't answer quickly, so he shook my head. Yes, yes, I said. And then he goes to my, my future wife, seconds away, uh, says, do you take this man to be, you know, your Argentine nut that you're marrying, you know? And uh, yes. And then he makes you stand up, turns you around, says, may I introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Luis Palau, boom, 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 and you walk out. And you're married, and there's no way you can get out of it. Yeah, you can sign all the papers you want, but you're married, and that's it. And I know it, and I don't want to sign any papers, but I am a husband to Mrs. Palau, because one day I said yes, on my knees, before God, the preacher, and my father-in-law. And, you know, so I know I'm married to Pat Palau. It was a decision I made, and I made it consciously, and I've been married for 51 years, who knows, somewhere around there. And, you know, that's what happens when you meet Jesus Christ. You know that you know because you knowingly and intelligently and sincerely said, yes, I believe in you, Lord Jesus, and I receive you into my life. Give me eternal life. And he says, to all those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives them power to become children of God. Have you made that decision? Have you made that decision? Have you said yes to Jesus Christ and said, yes, sir, I surrender to you? Then you have eternal life. Uh, how do you do it? The Bible says in St. John, we didn't read it, but it's there. It says that he came to his own, that is the Jewish people, but his own people did not receive him. Only a handful did. It's interesting. He came to his own people, who were supposed to be the elect, you know, and yet they rejected him. But to all those who received him, who believe in his name, he gives them power to become children of God. 
So if you believe in the name of Jesus Christ, whether you're Jewish, Gentile, or atheist, whatever, but if suddenly you say, no, I want to know God. I want to have eternal life. I receive Jesus Christ. Then, at that moment, you become a child of God. And at that moment, you have eternal life. To all those who believe in His name. It isn't like a complicated thing because He already did it all on the cross. And then He was buried, you remember. And on the third day, He rose from the dead. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. That's why Lubin and the worship team were leading us and we were singing to His name. And some of you closing your eyes and raising your hands and worshiping Jesus Christ. He's not dead. He's alive. And when He comes into your heart as a young man or woman, or middle-aged or old-timer, when He comes in, He gives us eternal life because life is in Christ. And when you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. And all you have to say is, yes, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. One day, the Apostle Paul was in jail somewhere in Greece. And he had been beaten up with a buddy of his called Silas. And at midnight, they were singing praises to God, the Bible says. And then there was an earthquake, and the whole prison was destroyed. And the guy in charge of the prison thought, oh boy, they've all escaped, and now I'm going to get it. It was a dictatorship, like all places in those days. But suddenly, St. Paul said, don't, he was going to commit suicide. Paul said, don't do any harm to yourself. We're all here. And the man was so shaken up that the prisoners hadn't run away. He came running and he fell at the feet of the Apostle Paul. And he said, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? And the Apostle Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your household. That's how simple it is. Because the work was done by Christ. And so if you are sincere tonight but you still are not sure of eternal life, this is your night. And it's a glorious thing to be able to go home. What is it? Sunday night. And you go home tonight and say, I got eternal life. I got eternal Tomorrow you go back to Intel or McDonald's or Nike or who do you work for? Anyway, maybe for nobody. But, you know, go and tell your mother-in-law, you know, hey, I've got eternal life. I've got eternal life because last night I said yes to Jesus Christ and I surrendered to him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall have eternal life now and then off into eternity forever. And you know, it's a beautiful thing when you think about it. My dad, as I told you, was only 34. I was in boarding school, so I arrived late. When I arrived, he had died about 10 minutes before I arrived. And uh, my mom told us what happened. He was in bed knowing he was dying. He sat up and began to sing a song to Jesus Christ clapping his hands like we were doing, some of us, a few minutes ago. And he sang a, a song about heaven. And then he sang it about three times. He was exhausted from the galloping fever. His head fell on the pillow. And my mom said, my dad pointed up to heaven, and he quoted the words of St. Paul in Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And a few moments later, my dad took off for heaven. Ah, it was a glorious time to know that my dad went to be with the Lord. When I read in the Bible, you know, in the book of Revelation, that there's millions and millions of people bowing before the throne of God and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And it says that there's thousands and thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 doing that. That's what the Bible said. I, I tried to imagine my dad and now my mom. She died 50 years after he did. 
and uh, see them up there bowing before the throne. And one day we'll all be there, all of us who know Jesus Christ. And you know, it's a beautiful thing to know. I have eternal life. I have eternal life. So many Americans, just like Europeans, don't seem to know that you can know that you have eternal life now. A buddy of mine who attends this church, I don't see him here tonight, but I know he comes. At least he tells me so. Uh, his name is John Ogle, just in case, check him out. And uh, I bet you he's there. He won't identify himself now. But uh, his mother, Shirley, she was not a believer. And her, his dad either, years ago, back in 1990. And uh, they were divorced. John's an only child. And he became a believer when he was a teenager, playing football down in Southern California. A buddy of his brought him to Jesus Christ. And he tried to win his mom and his dad. They, they didn't get it or they wouldn't do it. But then one day when we were down by the riverfront and uh, she had an apartment right across, poor thing. Yeah, she had to listen to us whether she liked it or not. And uh, she was listening to TV that we had in those days. And she called up John and said, John, I'm not coming to the festival. I received Christ last night. When Luis was praying with a teenager, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So John called me up and I said, give me her number because I'd met his mother, Shirley. And so I called her up, and I said, uh, Mrs. Ogle, this is Luis Palau. She said, Louis, I'm okay. I'm in, I'm in, don't worry about a thing, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I was so excited by that, you know? I'm in, I'm in, you know? She knew that we were all trying to get her in. And uh, just like we want to get you in. If you don't have the assurance of eternal life, that's why I accepted this invitation tonight. I would like the privilege of introducing you to Jesus Christ so that you can know that you have eternal life. And you know what? Two months to the day that Mrs. Ogle gave her life to Christ, she died. A very fast cancer. And the Lord took her to heaven. And we'll have a party when we get there, you know. But you know, the assurance of eternal life is a glorious thing. And the scripture says, uh, the, uh, the Lord Jesus says, I'm coming to an end, pastor, uh, more or less. Uh, the, uh, the scripture says, you know, uh, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And this is what I like. And no one can snatch them out of my hands. When you have eternal life, There'll be people who are going to try and convince you to get away from it. They can't snatch you out of your heavenly Father's head. The devil, don't make fun of the devil. He's got more power than you think. He'll try and get you, but he can't do it. Because he says, I give them eternal life. You will never perish, and no one can snatch you out of my hands. And then I love the next line. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. Man, that's double assurance. God the Father and God the Son assure you, when I give you eternal life, no one can take it from you. Even if they try, they're wasting their time because you're in the hands of eternal God and you have eternal life. And you know, it's a glorious thing. And you know, it's the big one. All other decisions are puny compared to this one. You're going to buy a house or let it go? Oh, let it go, whatever, you know. You're going to buy a nice car or one of these hybrid goofy things, you know? A big wow, you know? Uh, are you going to have your hair cut or have it colored? Big deal, you know? Are you going to vacation to Europe? Wow. I mean, where are you going to spend eternity? That's the big one. And you know, it's a gift of God, eternal life. And the scripture says that God says, I'll give them eternal life. 
They shall never perish. They shall never perish. And, and the beautiful thing is, what happens is that God has prepared a place for us called heaven. And I love to talk about heaven. As I told you, because my dad's been there all these years, because I want to go there. And the Bible tells us a few things. I won't tell you too many of them. But the Bible says, heaven is the Father's house. When you die and you've got Jesus Christ, you go straight into the Father's house. And he says, we read it a few minutes ago. It says, I am going to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a place. And the Bible calls it the Father's house. That's where God Almighty is seated on his throne. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And you know there's a story in the book of Acts about the first person ever killed for the sake of Jesus Christ. His name was Stephen. And they stoned him to death because he just loved Jesus Christ. People think they're doing God a service when they kill a believer. They're doing it all over the Middle East and other places of the world. They're killing people today. But the first one was called Stephen. And when they were stoning him to death, and he was about to die, and he knew it, he said in a loud voice, he looked up to heaven, and he said, Look, I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God the Father. And they were angry even more, yeah, you know, and they killed him. Just before he died, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, quoting the Lord Jesus. And then he quoted the Lord Jesus again. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he went to be with the Lord. But the interesting thing to me was that he says, I see heaven opened and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Heaven is a place. It's a real place. And you know, the Bible, whenever it talks about heaven, he, they always want you to think of it as up there. We don't know the location. It's going to be fun to find out. But God wants us to know. Always think when you think about heaven, think of it up there. That's what the Bible says over and over and over. So you check it out. The second thing is, the Bible is the happy, eternal home for the children of God. And when you think of all those that you know and love, who died believers in Christ, they're having a party up there. They're enjoying themselves. There is joy that never quits. There's a happiness that never gives up. Because it's enjoying eternal life in a way like you could never have down here. Thirdly, heaven in the Bible is a place of true holiness and moral purity. It's a place where there's no more evil, no more crying, no more dying, no more pain, no more death, no more sin, no more ugly stuff. It's all over. And it's a party that is glorious. Uh, but there's holiness. That's why you have to be forgiven of your sins before you can be ready to go to heaven. Because it says nothing dirty shall enter there. So we have to be cleansed. And the Bible tells us how we are purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so once you're forgiven, then you can enter heaven because it's a place of holiness. And then the Bible says it's a place of perfect service to God. And a beautiful thing that I love. To me, it's the, my favorite thing about heaven. There's, all of them are fabulous. But this one, it says, His servants shall see His face. Man, think of that. Someday, all of us who have eternal life, because we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're not ashamed to say so, we will see His face. I think that's the most beautiful thing you can imagine. In the Old Testament, it goes like this. It says, your eyes, listen to this, your eyes shall see the king in his beauty. Your eyes 
shall see the king. We're going to see him face to face. And that's what heaven is about. It's the real presence of God where everything. And then uh, the last thing I'll mention is this. Heaven is a place of complete perfection. No more crying, as I said, the Bible says. No more illness, no more death, no more hurts, no more suffering, no more killing, no more hatred. It's a perfect place. Not only is it perfect, we shall be like him. Imagine what a change that's going to be. You and I are going to be like Jesus Christ. And one of the great, we all have questions, right? Intelligent people have questions. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, We shall know as we are known. In other words, we will be just like the Lord. We will know. We will know everything because God will teach us and we'll understand the things that we don't understand today. And you know, one of the things I wanted to say before I give you an invitation is this. So, some people say, what about little babies who die? What about them? Why do they die before their time? In Psalm 139, the Bible says, listen to this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days ordained for me. And you know, a brief life is not an incomplete life. God makes no mistakes. The judge of all earth will do right. And the Bible, in my opinion, clearly teaches that little babies who die go straight into the presence of the Lord because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The baby is all right if you lost a baby. The question is, are you all right? Do you know Jesus Christ? One of my daughters-in-law lost four babies by natural whatever, you know. Four babies died. And the children, the boys who are older, they often think about those little babies who are dead. One of them was perfectly formed. My son Andrew said, Dad, the baby was born dead, but it was perfect, teeny-weeny, Everything, whether the little fingers, the little toes, the eye, everything, but it was dead. And they gave it a, the baby a name. And the children drew pictures. And they put uh, Christopher and Jonathan and mom and dad, and then put the name of the other little baby. And that baby is in heaven in the presence of the Lord. So don't despair. The thing is, are you ready to go to heaven yourself? The baby is in good hands. Don't worry. A baby is enjoying heaven and the presence of God. But what about you? And God makes no mistakes. So don't be angry at God. Don't be angry at Him. That's silly and foolish and a waste of time. Leave it with the Lord and go forward and get ready that someday you may see that baby that you lost in the presence of God. So the big question I want to finish with is this. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have Him in your heart? Is Christ your Savior? You young guys who are here, I know you've got all sorts of dreams and desires, and if you're single, you want to get married, and if you want to succeed, and you want to have a job, and the Lord will help you and all that. But the big question is, do you have eternal life? Do you have Christ living in your heart? Have you opened your heart to Him? Have you invited Him into your life? And He says to you in the Scriptures, He says, My son, my child, Give me your heart. Give me your heart. If tonight God has spoken to your soul, and maybe for the last few weeks or months, God's been dealing with your mind and with your soul, and tonight the Lord has spoken to you, and you say, I want to have eternal life. I want to have Jesus Christ. I want my sins forgiven. 
I want him to come into my life. I want to know him here on earth. And I want to have the assurance of heaven when I die. Then you, you should make the decision right now. And I want to help you to make that decision. I want to lead you in a prayer in which you invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life. And then you'll know that you know that your sins are forgiven. You have eternal life. Heaven is your home. God is your father. And when you die, you're going to go and see your heavenly father, not the judge of all earth. So if you're ready to receive Christ tonight, I'd like to lead you in a prayer in which you open your heart to him and you invite him into your life. Let's all bow in prayer. Shall we before God? Let's bow in the presence of God. And if you are ready to give your heart to Christ, why don't you pray this prayer with me in your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? And I will lead you in this prayer. And if you feel it in your soul and you truly are ready to submit to him, why don't you pray to him this prayer? Pray with me this prayer. Oh God, my Father, I wanted to know you for a long time. Tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, I open my heart to you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me on the cross. And right now, Lord Jesus, I confess with my lips, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And therefore, I have eternal life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Now I'm yours forever. And one day I'll see you face to face. And I'll worship you in person. In Jesus' name I thank you. Amen.